Good evening, everybody. We are here on the 16th of October, 89th, our Q&A. We got loads and loads of questions. We won't be able to even handle half of them. But we, once again, we want to thank everyone who keeps sending the questions. You know what? The questions help me too, because only when the questions come, suddenly you realize, okay, you didn't think about it. And then you search scriptures to get an answer. And we are also blessed by the questions that come, because... Uh, we search and we find. They can then realize, okay, this is what I thought about it. It agrees or it doesn't agree with the word of God. So it's a blessing to send the questions. It causes us also to be on our toes. Some of the subjects we don't even think about, but the questions cause us to think about issues that generally matter to people, you know, everyone, day-to-day lives. So this evening, before we get into the Q&A, once again, Lord, I just thank you. I just want to praise you. I just want to worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We come at this time, ourselves and all the hearers everywhere, Lord. Thank you for every one of them. We lift you up. We lift your name up. We lift your word up. And we know, Lord, you will give us the answers, Lord, for you are the answer. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes. We'll look at question number 12, Pastor, first. Yeah. In the Bible, it is said that we, it is the, uh, it is said that when we give, let the left hand not know what the right hand is giving. Keeping in mind, if we give for any charity purpose, is it right, is it right to claim tax benefits biblically? Also, how do we strike a balance between giving and saving, especially saving tax for uh, for benefits, uh, uh, saving for tax benefits, and even for the future? Okay. <clears throat> First, let us go step. I will uh, when we have the verses which I give you. I will want you to keep coming back to the question so that I don't min- miss all the parts of the question. Okay. First, let us say about the question, about the, the left hand not knowing the right hand in giving. And this comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he actually brings two or three things over there. One is giving, one is prayer, and one is fasting. Okay? So primarily, he says, when you begin your life, you're very self-conscious. Mm. You want the approval of men. So what happens is you try to do things so that people will see. And ultimately, that becomes your life. And he doesn't want that to be. He wants your life to be first secret with God. The first thing a believer needs to build is his life with God. Yes. A secret life with God. Mm. And when that life becomes real, it starts manifesting outside. It becomes your lifestyle. So I will give you the parallel words over there. That is Matthew uh, chapter 5 verse 15 and 16. Connected with that, okay? Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Meaning, a point will come when it cannot be hidden anymore. Mm. It won't be hidden. Okay, It won't be hidden. But first let it stay hidden mm. until it becomes authentic. Let it be authentic. And after some time, it is impossible of uh, a genuinely generous person will be always genuinely. 
a genuinely kind person will be always kind. It cannot be hidden anymore. It becomes your life. Mm. So there are two parts to it. One about doing it in secret, that is to protect yourself. Mm. Then after some time, it cannot be kept secret. It will be publicly known. After some time, the your community, your church, wherever it will, even in a home, Okay, even in a home, if you are a parent with five children, six children, you will automatically after some time know which is the kindest, which is the generous one, which is the one who always shares. It cannot be hidden because that child, it comes to that child naturally, whichever way they have seen, but this child has learned to practice it. So it cannot be hidden for long. So don't take it and run with it because you have to always balance scripture with balance because if you do everything very, very secretly, then what happens is when you have to do publicly, you won't do it because you stood on one words because sometimes you have to publicly intervene and help people out but you know i don't want to be seen i won't don't want to be so you shouldn't be a false humility from one scripture alone Mm. okay scripture alone so we have to balance this both so when it talks about your left hand and your right hand knowing that is in one particular context jesus is saying but after that your works become your lifestyle it becomes your life and your good works become one and it cannot be hidden anymore then Keeping that in mind, if we give any charity purpose, is it right to claim tax benefits? Biblically, of course it is. The law allows it. The law says take it. I mean, just think about it. Think about it. Okay. Let us say, um, let's give me an example for people who do not know. Uh, Unicorpus. We have Unicorpus, our Christian hospital with all our believer doctors got together. It's fam, right? Unicorpus has ATG, right? They have ATG. We have 12A. They have ATG. 12A only gives us tax exemption on a vertical level. ATG means if you donate it to them, if you donate, let us say, 50,000, you can claim that has tax exemption from your filing. That is ATG. They don't give it to everybody. They give it to only bodies which are solely in charitable purposes. Mm. Okay? So, you make a donation. Let us say you make a donation on AT to them. You can... Did a claim tax deduction on this. And both ways, everybody is benefited. Mm-hmm. The government is giving you that benefit. The hospital is benefit. So many poor patients are benefited. So there is nothing wrong mm-hmm. in claiming it. Unless if you have so much money and you want to give them 50 and you don't want to claim your tax benefit also, that's up to you. But as far as we know, most people don't trust governments because they always think the governments are not using your money. They're misusing your money. They're misusing your money. So wherever within the tax laws that gives 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 you a, a tax benefit, I would always say go take it. Mm-hmm. It is legal. Okay? And what you can do is that if you have more money, you can take that tax benefit which they give you and also give it away to charity. Okay? It's always better to give it to genuine charitable organization, honestly telling, than to the government. Wow. Than to the government. Amen. Than to the government. Because you see, see, the government technically, let us be honest about it. The government doesn't have a soul. Yes. It's bureaucracy. It's men and women sitting over there. And the government takes the shape of the people People. who sit there. And you can, honestly, if you meet 
government appointed people sitting in offices who deal with genuine issues and problems of the people you will see they have no empathy no sympathy nothing at all many cases unless you tip them they will not move your files you don't move your papers nothing at all and you got government says i give you a tax benefit why do you want to put it into their hands give it to somebody else who will take it and use it and you can claim that benefit it's absolutely and if you say i don't want to claim that benefit because i have money my my say is that take that benefit and take that money and give it again over and above to an organization genuine organization which benefits the poor Amen. benefits the poor like let me give you an example of I, mean, i don't know about unicorpus now but i'm telling you about uh When I went to Unicorpus that day last year, uh, there was a sister who had a delivery there. Like okay, her delivery, and she came for a follow-up. You know what her delivery cost her? Six thousand rupees. Wow. And you tell me in Hyderabad, where can you have a delivery for six thousand rupees? Even the most basic private <laughs> hospital will not do it. You want? You, you can't have a delivery for six thousand rupees. Okay. Now think about it. Why did it get six thousand rupees? Because it's a charitable organization. Genuinely, they want to take care of the poor and the poorest of the poor. So even they have ATG, and we donate to them. It helps them to make it possible. Now. if you can go to a government hospital but you know the conditions of government hospital you don't want to go over there the doctors are fantastic i'm not saying government hospital doctors are fantastic but facilities and care is not the same so people have a choice and you realize you know what happened what you gave is benefiting others and that's how charitable organization mm. works but you always have to keep your ear out for charitable organization because they also become uncharitable over a period of time <laughs> so you have to be very very wise about it but what i'm saying is yes it is biblical there i mean there is as as long as it is it is it is not illegal in mm. terms of money wise it is not so we are talking about money we are not talking about homosexuality being made legal we are talking about money as long as the tax laws of the country allows you there is no issues go and take uh, take the the exemption. exemption if you look about tax laws do you remember the shunamite woman when she came back from famine at that pointed mm. time gahasi was standing over there he was telling the testimony and he said this is the woman the king said you know what all your taxes are all your taxes have been waived return back her land now she's getting an exemption there are tax exemptions in the bible too mm. okay she's getting a tax exemption okay and now goliath is standing over there and he's challenging david asks what will happen to the guy who kills this dude he says tax exemption <laughs> good motivation <laughs> good motivation you kill this dude you kill this dude your family doesn't have to pay taxes anymore okay now this father has eight sons and all the big muscle fellows are in the army the youngest one brings tax exemption <laughs> hallelujah okay so tax exemption is there in the bible there's nothing you should know issues about it okay then how do we strike a balance between giving and saving especially saving for tax benefits and for future okay tax benefits you have to save because it, it's a it's a it's a good stewardship of your resources okay it's a good steward let me make this statement about first about money go to go to james chapter 5 and verse 3 i am right 2 and 3 
was two tools. Oh, sorry, not five, not five. Uh, yeah, let's go to that also. Mm. <laughs> Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last day. So keep that always in your mind whenever you think about riches and want to get rich. Then you come to uh, James chapter 2. And if I'm right, verse 2 or 3. God has made those who are poor. Rich in faith. Rich in faith. I think it's verse 3. Got it? Uh, Yes, yes. Yeah, verse 3. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, don't show partiality the poor and the rich in the church. Verse 4. Okay? Okay? Okay, and then verse 5. Yeah. Listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? So this is the issue. Okay? You need to ask yourself. Suppose you are rich. There are a lot of rich people who are believers. And there's a lot of indictments against rich people in the Bible. And Jesus mm-hmm. said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to <coughs> enter heaven. So the simple question is, if you are rich, what do you do? Mm. How do you enter into heaven? It's a simple question. The simple answer is that consider all your resources as owned by God. You are only a steward. Therefore, you are poor. You're not rich. The simple way is to hold your riches as a trust. That's why to that steward, God comes and asks, where's my talent? Mm. Where's my riches? He said, I hid it. He said, why didn't you put it on interest? Basically, God is saying the earth and the fullness belongs belongs to him. him. The gold and the silver are mine. So if you are rich, don't consider yourself rich. Consider that you are holding what is God's property on trust and you're going to be a good steward and make good investments. Amen. Amen. Good investments. Mm. And when it comes to investments, that's going back to the questions, there are two sides to this. Okay, two sides to this. You should save tax. You should invest. You should, okay, like, let us say, uh, let us say Raj is sitting here, a young man sitting over here, and he's living in a rented apartment, okay, and then there is this offer to buy an apartment, and he thinks, if I take a loan for a house, okay, this is how much I pay tax, if I got a housing loan, this is the exemption I get, and he looks back and says, you know what, it actually saves me mm. money. Mm. Because he's always thinking about stewardship. This is the rent I pay. I pay, let us say he pays 10K as rent. Okay. The exemption I get per year will actually take care of the rent, rent I pay. So ultimately within 10 years, you know what? I don't, don't pay rent, but I will end up owning the mm-hmm. house and I will save that much money. What is he thinking? He's a good steward of mm. God's money. Yes. That's why you have to be. That's why the God came and asked him, you are not a good steward of my resources. I want, I'm looking for stewardship. So people have to be good stewards of God's money. Always think it that way. Not just good stewards of my money. Good stewards of God's money. Because my life, my health, my strength, my resources, everything belongs. Even our children belong to God. We own nothing. We own nothing. Everything is given to us based on trust. Mm. So that is what the Bible says. When we stand before God, he will ask for accounts. And we don't realize he will ask accounts about money. Because we think, I work, it's my money. God says, no. Um, But I work, it is the strength was mine. I gave you strength. The body is mine. The strength is mine. 
the openings which I gave you, man. The intelligence is mine. The wisdom is mine. Everything was mine. Now give me an account. Okay, give me an account. So stewardship comes. Okay, now about riches, there are two sides. One, I want to go to the old covenant. Okay, old covenant, Proverbs thirteen and verse twenty-two. And then Proverbs 22, we'll come back. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Okay? And don't look at the second part. That's what the prosperity preachers love. Okay, leave that alone. That is for another time. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. What does it mean? We have to think generationally. Because God thinks generationally. He's a God of generation, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of Joseph. Okay, He thinks generationally, so we should think generationally. That means if you are a father, if you are a parent, you have children, you need to be wise enough to leave an inheritance for your children. Now we are here because it is money. We are strictly talking about money. But it is not. You need to live a spiritual inheritance. You need to have a godly inheritance. A lot of inheritance which you can leave. You can leave. Okay? So the Bible is talking about you have to leave an inheritance. So you are saving part. But you have to be very, very careful about what you leave. That your leaving of an inheritance does not take away the drive and what the motivation to work and hard. to work hard for your children. So yes. you have to be very, very, that's what happens. Rich people's children go wonky. They go wonky. They go wonky because the parents don't discipline them. They give them too much money and they don't work. So what happens on the other hand, that good man who is not being careful about what he deals with the next generation actually piles up money, doesn't discipline his children about money or resources, accountability, stewardship. He's not a good man. Hmm. He is a sinner. And the wealth of the sinner goes back to the righteous. Well, what goes back to the righteous. Because this fellow will blow it away. Hmm. Next generation, he will blow it away. And the money goes. Okay, So God's economy is different. So one about saving wise, you always have to be careful that, you know, legacy, like my father did not leave us much money. He left me a house. But he left us a legacy of education. Okay, legacy. It's a big legacy. Yes. Okay, when parents who are educated put a focus like our children now, our children at GSS, you know how, where they came from. They all came from broken homes, no parents, um, villages, they had no language, nothing. Today, most of them, if you know, if push comes to a show, can work yes. and get a job. Yeah. yeah, can get it up. Many of them speak three languages mm-hmm. quite fluently, English, Hindi, Telugu. They speak. They're very good. Okay, very good. So if you look at them, you know what? What is the legacy we lived for? By investing in their lives, we left a legacy for them, an inheritance for them. What is that? They're educated. Like mm-hmm. we say in English, knowledge is power. Yeah. We educated them. Now they have to take that education and they can look. Yes. Okay, so there are different legacies we look. But on the other hand, I will give you another one. Proverbs twenty two and verse seven. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Another side is there. Don't get into debt. Mm-hmm. 
don't get into debt. Okay, now America's debt is in trillions. 60 or 70 percent of America's household is in debt, maybe much more. This is unofficial figures, much more. And now as the economy starts crashing, starts crashing, the debt piles up. The debt piles up. What happens is the rich rules over the poor. The borrower is the servant to the lender. That's exactly the agenda of governments. They want people to be the servant of the government. Actually, the government is supposed to be the servant of the people. But by taking them into debt and dependent upon the government, what happens? The people become servants of the government. Because the borrower is a servant to the lender. Okay? So you have to be very, very careful about not to get into a debt trap. I'm not saying that therefore you should not take a loan. You should take loans only when you are absolutely sure I have the capital. Okay? Assets wise to pay it off. To back it up. To back it up. If you don't have the assets to back it off, what happens is don't take a loan. You should have what we call immovable property Mm -hmm. to back it up. If you have immovable property, then you take a loan, you know, it doesn't matter, push comes to a shove, I can put that on the market and I will be debt free. But when you don't have anything and you keep on living off five different credit cards, swiping one to pay the debt of another, you know what? You become a lend, you become a, a servant, slave. a slave. So you have to be very, very, very careful about it too. Then coming, coming to the new covenant principle, okay? New covenant principle is this. I think it is in uh, Luke chapter 12, <clears throat> okay? Verse 32 onwards, okay? Before that, he's talking about verses we are very familiar with, okay? Do not worry what to eat, what to drink. Your father will take care of you. Seek you first the kingdom of God. All these things, okay? Come to 32 onwards. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Mm. Yeah, come down. Sell what you have. Give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. And verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So then God puts another picture. He says, be very, very careful. Because your heart should not be on money. Money. Godliness with contentment is a great thing. Okay, Mm. So if your heart is on money, you are on a very, very dangerous place. He says, instead, I will teach you a way. Because we have investment gurus. You cannot watch a sermon on YouTube without one investment guru. And one fellow's voice irritates me all the time. He keeps on coming before four seconds, five seconds, you have to hear him. If you are, if your money, when you are sleeping, if you are not make money, I'm irritate him. Okay, I don't want to make money when I sleep. I just want to think, even in my subconscious mind about God. I'm not thinking about money, but these investment gurus are all there. But the greatest investment guru was God. Mm. He said, "You won't on order. I will teach you on earth how to invest in heaven. Mm. I will teach you how to invest in yeah. heaven, mm. where you can store up. Go back to verse thirty-three, where you can store up. Okay." Where you can a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief thief approaches, 
No moth destroys because, you know, when he's using the term of moth, you need to realize in old days, ancient days, uh, clothes were a treasure. Because it was not easy to have clothes. Each Most people had a pair or two at the maximum. Most people poor had only one pair. It was not, they did not have clothes. clothes. That's why uh, Akan took a Babylonian garment. Because it's a treasure. <laughs> it's a treasure. But what happens? How long can you keep it? The moths eat it. Moths eat it. So God is talking in that terms. He says, you know what? That treasure involved. You know stock markets fail. Banks fail. Your investments fail. Everything fails. Though they talk about blue chip funds, when it fails, your face goes blue. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's nothing that is secure. There's nothing that's secure. Now Amazon is sitting on a high horse. But if they break up Amazon, you will see the stocks. Now the, the whole thing about Amazon in India is coming up. Okay. The funny thing is because this is supposed to be number one company in the world, right? Amazon, the richest man in the world till Tesla. Tesla is like a toss up. You never know where that guy is going. He's slightly wonky. You know, Musk. Mm. So you never know about these companies. Okay. Let me tell you about Amazon, which people do not know about. The legal, the Ministry of Law, Ministry of Law in India. Do you know its entire budget for a year is around 1,100 crores? Do you know what Amazon in their books have paid has legal fees in India is 8,000 crores. Where do you think that money is? How did they write it up as legal fees? I'm saying it openly, it's bribes. The budget of the Ministry of Law in India is 1,100 crores. Amazon is supposed to have paid as legal fees in India 8,000 crores. What is the legal fees? Okay, and people are banking on these companies, and when that companies break, all your money goes down the route. Okay, so you have to be very wise. That's why God says, "I will tell you where your money is safe while you are on earth. Invest in people." Invest in the kingdom of God. God. Invest in the gospel. Invest in the poor. You know what? You will not only receive a rich welcome in heaven, you will also have riches in heaven. Hallelujah. So balance it this all. Balance it all. And the simple thing is, understand the word of God. Understand the principles. It's just not memorizing scripture. Mm -hmm. Okay. There have been lots of fools who memorize scripture and no principles of the kingdom of God. Okay, there are principles of the kingdom of God. Understand that is why Jesus said, "Seek ye first the kingdom." Mm. Okay, like if a if a smart investor comes to India, comes to India, the first thing he is seeks the tax laws of India. Yes. Okay, why is companies flocking to Telangana and Andhra from Kerala? Because once he comes here, the governments here open arms, gives you all tax free. Come, bring and invest. So they're shifting companies. You go, there's a leftist government. With leftist government wants nobody to prosper. They will not allow any company to thrive over there. So what do you know? They will always shift to company states where you see Tesla has moved its headquarters to Texas. Yes. from California. Because yes. California will tax you out. Tax you out. Okay, tax you out. Now what is happening if you look, look in US? US is having a crisis, a container crisis because goods are not coming in. Shelves are all empty. You know what has happened? All the ships with the container with the goods is coming is in the Californian 
coast. And California has passed a law that they cannot come over some COVID restrictions, some junk. They said so all the goods is on the other side in the in the coast, unable to unload, and there is shortage all over U.S. So what is Florida doing? Florida is using incentives. Come out to our ports and unload. We will give you these incentives. Okay. So wise man will think, if you are a wise investor in U.S., what he will think, he, he will study Florida. He will look and see if Florida is going to remain red for the next 10 or 15 years and he will start slowly rerouting his ships to Florida because he's a wise investor. Wise investor. You have to always, because politics and investment goes together. together. It goes together. Okay. America was thriving under Trump financially because you know what? He took all the red tape out. You took all the red tape out because you know what? You need to understand a socialist communist government has never created job employment. They never created job employment. A poor man never employs anybody. He himself is looking for employment. <laughs> a simple principle. Okay, simple principle. Okay. Now let's be honest. We are not, we love them. Okay, today I was very touched when I heard. I mean, I did not. I was thinking, how come I never, nobody, nobody told me that our, Man who collects the garbage is a believer. Nobody told me. And today I'm hearing it. That he, Satya, is a believer. If I don't, I see him every day, though I have no garbage to give him. But I see him every day. I would have talked to him all these weeks and months. I would have, I mean, today I'm hearing that. Okay, so now think about it. The maid who works in your house. Okay. Does she have a maid in her house? No. Can she employ anybody? No. Okay. Now you have money. You work, you have money. Therefore, because you have money, you know what? You are also generating employment. employment. Yes. Yeah. Generating. You hire a driver. You hire a maid. So what happens is, no, communism won't work. Socialism will make you the slave of the government. But the problem is there is no incentive. Ultimately, socialism will collapse. Like it collapsed in Russia. It collapsed in Russia and collapsed all of wherever socialism is over there. It collapses because ultimately if you have no more, even God post salvation motivates is he who overcomes. He who's overcome this price is there. This price, he says, that's a human nature. You have to be motivated. Mm-hmm. If you are not motivated, you will not run. Mm-hmm. Now you think about a socialist system, okay, actual socialist system, which existed in Russia, the Mason and the cardiologist gets the same salary. Now think about it. Why should I break my head, study five years, eight years, ten years, or five years of MBBS, two years of MD, then cardiology to get the same salary? I could as well be a mason. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what happened with these food stamps over there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, this democratic, the, I'm about talking about the party, it's not democratic, they're socialist, they're communist, independent. They were not, the old ones were not there, I'm talking about it. So when you talk about riches, you need to be very, very clear. You know what, what happened in America, how they destroy the black community in America is by, they gave incentives and food stamps and vouchers to single mothers who had children. If you're married, you didn't get it. If you're unmarried, had children, you got it. So you tell me, what does it incentivize? To be unmarried and have children. They broke the family. Oh, Lord. They broke the family. Okay. They broke the family. Okay. So there's no incentive for people who are on the right path. 
Incentive is only for those who are on the wrong path. Okay, so that is the whole issue here. I'm not per se for capitalism. I have per se for the financial kingdom of the kingdom of God. How it should work. How it should work. Okay, it's not the way the capitalism works in the West. I, I don't approve of it. It has to be what we call a very compassionate capitalism. Yes. Okay, because he should always a capitalist should be always aware of the fact that it's not mine. It belongs to God. And if God, if simple question to ask is that, if Christ had the money, what would he do? How would he invest? How would he? Don't look about Christ as who came and died on the cross. A Christ who is living, who did not come to die on the cross, but to live an old ripe age. If Christ were in my shoes, how would he? What would he do with his money? And trust God to lead you through the word and through his spirit and make your investments. That's how you should. And give it away accordingly. That's why Job is able to stand up for his own righteousness. He says, you know what? Never as a widow, never as a poor man gone hungry from my house. I've never seen anybody who lacked and not stretched out my hand. Because the Bible actually says one of the way you can invest money in heaven is he who lends to the the poor poor gives to God. What God spends the money? No, he stores it for you. You gave over there, I'm storing it for you over here. So there are principles in the kingdom of God. And that's what we need to talk about. That's a legacy we pass on to our children too. You know what? Trust God, love people. God doesn't need your money, but you can use your money to build God's family and God's kingdom. Beginning with the believers. Always people, why Bible is very clear. First the family of believers and And then then go. If you look at in the book of Acts, you will see that's what they did. That's what they did, the rich and the poor. Nobody was lacking. So that's how you should use your resources. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Awesome. That is a good question. Boy. That incidentally came from Hyderabad after a long time. Now, good, I mean, a question coming from Hyderabad, because people in Hyderabad never ask questions. Oh, boy. Pastor, there's several uh, personal questions, um, uh, practical questions. Uh, can we just look at question number 16? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Let's put this fan on. Question number 16. Mm. Um, we as Christians are challenged to be united. Mm. Many times though, we may, we make mistakes of glossing over our problems for unity's sake. Mm. In our hearts, we know the truth, we know the difference, but our actions are inconsistent. I'm praying that we as Christians will be consistent in our weak areas by crying out to Jesus all the time. We do not want to follow the doctrine of Balaam. You teach us every day. Why are we struggling in this flesh, Pastor? Okay, now let us go to the first part of that question and that we will go to Ephesians chapter 4. Okay. Uh, No, no, not Ephesians. Unity of faith. It's four, four questions. Yeah. Efficiency. One, one. one yeah, yeah, okay, yes. Four, 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 okay. four questions. Talk, talk, okay. Let's go to four and, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, let's go from verse one. Let's go from verse one. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. First thing is that unity is based. How can a church be united? Hmm. A church is a different group altogether. There's nothing like the church 
comparable to the church in the world. Hmm. You go to your office, you go to, let us say, Raj goes to his office, all his colleagues are kind of of the same caliber because they're working in the same process. Sammy goes to college, they are all pursuing the same subject. They have come through the same kind of stream and pursuing. In the church, it is not that. Everybody has been saved by the same person, but people are absolutely different, comes from all walks of life. Some have money, some have no money, some have culture, some have no culture, some are polite, some are rude. All kind, that is what the vision given to Peter. All kinds of animals, clean, unclean, creeping, crawling, jumping, everything is there. And he's told him, kill and eat. He said, I have never eaten anything unclean three times. Then God says, what I have cleansed, don't call it unclean. They are that, but they came through the blood. And then God says, you are one family. That's why the church is a test for your faith. And God says, bearing, why loneliness? The rich man has to be lowly mm. and gentleness and long suffering. Now, in systems, you have it once, w- once a year, twice, like when I was uh, ministering with the army. The armies, they will have the regimental big programs, Bada Khana, they call it, big thing, okay? At that time, you will see all the Javans will be seated and the senior officers, okay, the big ones, the full colonels, the brigade, they will so, serve them. Okay, they will serve. That's once a while. Once a year. It's a big thing. During uh, Good Friday, the Pope will wash a few selected clean feet. <laughs> okay. Okay. These are all what we call, in English, we call this a tokenism. The church is not a token. Mm-hmm. You wash each other's feet daily. Every day. <laughs> you serve one another daily. Every day, yes. And the kind of people who come in, are the kind of people in a normal life, if you are not a believer, you don't want to live with them. You won't associate with them. You will not associate because if you are not born again, you will not associate. And that thing comes in. And that's what James is talking in James chapter 2 about in the church. And we'll come back to that. Go to James chapter 2 and verse 1 onwards. Yes. Okay. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, then there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. Two people are coming into the assembly. Mm. He says the assembly is the house of God, Mm -hmm. the family of God. One Mm -hmm. is rich, one is poor. You pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in the good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? He says, how would you do that? How would you do that? How would you do that? Would you do that in a family? You do that in a, some families do that, but most families wouldn't. Like a father has, let us say, he has five children, and one is very successful, and another is not successful. When they come home to eat, the mother will say, "You sit on the floor and eat." You son, who are rich, will they say that? No. Everybody sits hmm. the same table and eats. And they have what is to call like uh, Thanksgiving is coming, right? Yes. Yeah, at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. when the family gets together, there will be very rich, successful children. And somebody who is normal, somebody is poor. But at Thanksgiving, everybody sits at the same table and eats. And this is what the Bible is talking about. We're talking about. So the first unity is based on what is called agape love. Mm-hmm. The love of 
God. If somebody should hold his nose when he associates with us, it is God. God. But he has loved us with an everlasting love. Everybody. Like Lord Mountbatten said long time ago, the ground is uh, level at the cross. level at the, at the foot of the cross. Yeah. It's level at the foot of cross. Everybody comes through the same doorway. Your money matters, does not matter. Your riches doesn't. Your culture doesn't. Your education, nothing matters. Everybody has to humble himself at the mercy of God and enters into heaven. If that is the way you entered, if you go back to Ephesians chapter four and verse one, if that is the verse two, if that is the way you entered, the simple question Paul is asking through the Holy. Spirit is when you entered the kingdom of God, did you enter it lowliness with gentleness and with did you? Yes, because if you were not lowly, That's you right. cannot enter. You have to go on your knees and receive the mercy of God, which is given to you freely. So continue that way, mm. bearing with one another in love. Mm. The rich man should know his riches did not save him, the poor man should know it was not his poverty that made him. God look at him with mercy. So neither your poverty nor your riches mean anything. Everybody is served because, saved because of the mercy of God. God sent his only son. So the first one is the bond of love. Another bearing with one another with love. That is not the love of man. It is the love of God. We have to, we have it. We have to ask for it and keep on walking it. Second, three, endeavor the Keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It is when it comes to the peace where we, we, we are careful. Careful. Okay. So it does not matter whether you are a rich man or a poor man. If you are a peace breaker instead of a peacemaker, we are, we are tough with them. We are tough with them. Don't break peace. Don't break. I mean, even in families, okay, because there is a poor family in the church and they are fighting. We don't leave them alone. Hmm. Or there is a rich family and they are fighting. We don't leave them alone. Peace. Don't break the bond of peace in your home. Don't break the bond of peace in church. In church. If you're a poor man who's trying to bring divisions or a rich man who's trying to bring divisions, we will deal with them both the same way because it is peace. First is it's love. Second, it has to move into peace. It's peace is important because that's, these are things that unite us. We have the love of God. We have the peace of God because there is only one body, one spirit, just as you were called in. One hope. We all have one hope. What is that? Eternity with God. Away from this mess. We have only one hope. So if you go back to the question, you know, we are challenged to be united. Unite, unity has to be very careful. There has to be love. There has to be peace. And then go back to Ephesians 4. Okay, come further down. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is above all, through all, in you all. So we have to understand, we are all can come only if we are all under the headship of one. Mm. We accept God. We bow our knees to God and to His Son, Jesus Christ. And verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Yes. Okay, therefore He says, He gave you go further down. This one which talks about the unity of faith. Uh, it's, yeah. it's before? No, no, before no. It, it is after that. Oh, it's okay. I think it is after that. Yeah. Come further down. 
for the equipping of the saints, for the yeah, work yeah, of the yeah, ministry, yeah, for the yes. edifying of the body of Christ, yeah, until yeah, we yeah, come yeah, to the yeah. unity of it. Yes. Unity of faith. Okay? Until we come. Because you need to realize in the, like a simple thing is to look at the church as a family. You have a family. You have five children. And the youngest one is, let's say, only five years old. The eldest one is 20 years old. The 20 year old understands the word of the father better than the five year old. The word of the father is the law of the house. Okay? Think it as the law of the house and the mother is helping in enforcing the law. And they are bound together in love and peace. But that is not enough. You need to have something to work on and to walk on and to live on. That is faith. Mm. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Mm. God. So you know what? Everybody has to come to that unity of faith. So you have to give space to those who are young. The new believers, the young ones in the church who just got saved and they do not know doctrine, they have no idea, so you have to give them space to grow. So you are always more merciful, more kind, more tolerant towards them. Mm. Okay? That's what the apostles' doctrine, they are gathering daily. Why? They don't know how to live together as a family. They need to be taught. So unity is based on love, it is based on peace, and it is based on faith. Based and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But remember, what is the issue here? Even as people are growing, God will keep on sending new ones. So this is a continuous process that keeps us growing. Even those who have grown matured, because the new ones are keeping on, you need to continuously walk in long-suffering and patience and kindness because the new ones are coming in. And they are back to... to, Let me give you the example from a classroom. Example from a classroom. Okay, Let us say you are... The most difficult classes are LKG, UKG and all. Because these kids have no concept about discipline. <laughs> they don't, as they come in crying, they sit in the class crying, and they want to go home crying. <laughs> so the teacher who handles them is a magician. <laughs> okay. So these children come, and finally after one year, you have trained them, everybody is good, they love coming to school, uh, love you teacher. I mean, my sister who is a kindergarten principal, is posting because yesterday or something, was student's day, but all her kids standing in line with flowers for all the little ones, flowers, hugging her selfies, and I was looking at her, I was so tickled to see these little children. Okay, now, you Finish them off, they're all ready, and they've gone to class one. And she said, hallelujah, it is over. Okay, you think about it. Next year, another another batch will come. Next year, (laughs) another batch comes. You have to start all All over again. again. In the process, what is happening? You become, you grow. Mm. You become more patient, more loving, more kind, more merciful, (laughs) because you know what? And ultimately, when you look up, you will realize, these are the ones who made me that. Amen. But the, the, the church is not a club of 10 mature believers. Mm. You will never grow. You will only have discussions. You will never grow. You will intellectually have good discussions, but that is not a church. That is why I say, in a home where you have only single children, the child grows up thinking he or she is the cat's whisker until it goes to KG. And realize there are many whiskers there. Mm. Man, suddenly it is a rude awakening for the child. But on the other hand, a child who grew up with other siblings, when they go to school, they're very normal. Because they had to share. They had no choice but share. The other way is, Nanu, Naku, only mine. And treated as with all the pictures, DP, my princess, my princess, my princess. And the child starts thinking, I am the only princess. 
is a princess. But you have to tell the child there are lots of princes in the king's family. Okay, you are a royal priesthood. Every child of a king is a prince and a princess. So please learn to live with all of them. This is a church issue. Okay, so this is the way we grow. So we have to be very, very careful when we think about the church. The church is a family. and Everybody is learning to grow and live yeah. together. And it is not like even a human family, a typical family, because in a family, the husband and the wife know each other and they birth a child. It is their child and it grows. It's not the way. The father is God. Technically, physically, the mother, the church is on earth. The mother herself is struggling with the father. And the children are coming from different homes. Yeah. It's a completely different picture. Yeah. Though we use the illustration of a family, it is not. It is more like running an orphanage. Mm. Where you have 30 children from 30 problematic homes which have come. And 30 are different cases. Look at our LHL. Mary talks through the day. Joy will not open her mouth. One is mentally retarded, talks, talks, throws, tantrums, cries, all kind of things. Joy is mentally retarded and she's dumb. Janu is like an acrobat. She can put her head, leg around her head. She can sit in all kinds of... Sumati runs around as if selling wares all around that place. Screaming, whistling like a train. Okay. Amlu is bedridden. Chandu is bedridden. Okay. You look at... Elachal. <laughs> And you work over there. Have you noticed electoral maids when they work in your homes, they're very good? They're very good. You know why? Because they worked among those which is the most difficult to handle. Isn't your maid very good? Hmm. Yeah, very good. Because it is a pleasure for her to work for a normal child. Because you, you are dealing with abnormal children. Okay? Now imagine the church is full of abnormal children. They're not normal children. They're all abnormal children. In the process, the caretakers, the older brethren in the church, not the pastors alone, all the older brethren in the church become the caretakers. And you know what they become? They grow in patience. And as this set grows up, they too have to become caretakers. They all have to become caretakers, caring for the new ones, the young ones, taking care of them. And that is the format which God has. And in the process, what is happening? We are all preparing for heaven. Mm. In heaven, what does God need? God wants the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And with that, God says, good. You can live for eternity as a family. You learned your lesson on earth. Otherwise, you will be sent for remedial courses in heaven. I do believe a lot of people will be back in training there because you didn't learn your lesson in heaven. You just came through all your works. You just believed on my son's salvation. You didn't learn anything over here. You need to learn here. Go back to the bottom of the ladder and come up again. Learn. Learn. Because you have, you don't have it. I cannot entrust anything with you. That's what Galatians 4 and verse 1 mm-hmm. says. Galatians 4, 1. Child as always. Mm. Now I say the heir as long as he is a child does not differ at all from a slave though he is a master of all and is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. See, that's what God is saying. The child of a king is a prince. Mm. But when the prince is born, he is entirely in the hands of guardians. Though he is royalty. <laughs> 
his movements are controlled by the guardians appointed by the father. He can't do anything on his own. But one day when he comes of age and is grown, he starts taking over and now they are serving him. Okay, that's what God is talking about. If you don't grow in these things, we will be under guardians even in eternity. Because God says, I cannot entrust authority into your hands because you didn't have character. So going back to the question, that's what the Bible is talking about. I think this came from New York. Therefore, in our hearts we know the difference, but our actions are inconsistent. That is the thing. We have to fight this daily. Yeah. This is, and if you go to Galatians 5, 16 and 17, if I'm right. The problem and the solution is given both there. Yeah? Okay. For I say, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. In your heart, you know, the spirit is telling this is the right thing to do, but your flesh won't obey you. So you have to kill the flesh. You have to put to death the flesh. And when, as you do it consistently, the flesh starts losing its power. It actually starts losing. Other than practical ways of fasting and all, it is, even fasting, if you use just as a tool, will no, fail you. What you do is that, you know what, a simple thing. I'll give you a simple example. Tomorrow is Sunday. Okay, tomorrow is Sunday. Well, let's take any day. <clears throat> you know you need to get up in the morning if you're a regular time and spend time with God. Okay? But when morning comes, your flesh does not want to get up. But the fact of the matter is, if you want, you can get up. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not that your flesh is so much power, it binds you with iron shackles to the bed. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. If you have to catch a flight at 4 o'clock in the morning, you will get up. Mm-hmm. Right? You got up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, got up. <laughs> <laughs> you got up. The children also got up, right? Okay. Both. Very, very consistent. <laughs> Every, everybody got up. See, so it is not. The problem is the flesh will always do things, yeah. same things, if it's it profit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Profit. This pleasure. It's, yeah, it's, it's not even pleasure. It's mm. profit. Mm. It, lo- it sees profit and it will get up. Mm. Pleasure will come only later. Mm. Pleasure was only after you reached Vizar. But profit was, I don't want to miss that plane. Okay? So the thing is, that's the way it is. So you know you can do it. That's why God says, don't fool around. You have a will. Because everything you do based on your will. If you will, your flesh will obey. Your flesh will obey. Okay? So that's a simple thing. You know what is right? You got a will. And if you consistently exercise your will, and the Holy Spirit is there to help you, honestly. You don't even have to do so much on your strength. But a lot of things the Holy Spirit won't help you because you can do it on your strength. <laughs> it's as simple as, okay, Peter is hungry and he's got 500 rupees in his pocket. He can go down the street and have a good meal and he's praying to the Holy Spirit, I need 500 rupees to have a good meal. God says, go jump in the lake. You've got 500 in your pocket. Lord, I'm praying for a miracle that a hundred rupees. Somebody will call me and say, Peter, now have sent hundred rupees. God says, no, nobody's going to do like that. You got money in your pocket. Meaning so many things we use that excuse, Spirit of God, empower me to kill. God says, you do it, you can do it. <laughs> if you want, you can do it because I have seen in other times you're doing the same thing because you found pleasure in it. Yeah. You can do it. Okay, so don't excuse when the Holy Spirit comes is when you cannot do it. 
a lot of things in life you cannot do. Hmm. It's impossible with man. It's possible for God. Lot of things in life are possible with man. Don't bring the Holy Spirit over there and say, Spirit of God, animate my being, quicken my mortal body. God says, stop all that, KJV. <laughs> do what you can do. Lot of things are excuses. People make excuses. Okay? I'm telling you, when our children were small, okay, when they got big, they got out of hand. When they were small, wake up. Only the tone of the voice mattered. That's it. <laughs> Wake up, Namunne. Wake up. That's it. That's it. They woke up. Whether it was happily, unhappily does not matter. They woke up. <laughs> because your school bus will come. Absolutely. <laughs> bus will come. You got this much time to get ready. Breakfast is on the table. Get ready. Come. Eat. Eat in your uniform. Go. And they woke up. What did you do with your child who was five years old or six years old? Holy Spirit, fall upon him, animate him and get him. Nothing. So when you as a father did not expect that for your child who was only five years old, you think God doesn't expect from you when you're 50 years old or 30 years old or 40 years old? Mm -hmm. So a lot of things are excuses people make. A lot of excuses make you. Oh, I can't pastor pray for me. You don't need prayer. You just need to do it. Yeah. You just don't need it. These are all spiritual excuses made by lazy men and women. Basically, it is laziness. Lot of things which God is asking us. Okay, certain things you need, like we see the stories in the Bible. Okay, build the ark. You need faith. You need God. You need the Holy Spirit because nobody has done this before. Even you have no clue what is God is telling. You have to step out by faith. The power of God has to come to sustain you. A lot of things. Like to come to church tomorrow on time. Do you need the Holy Spirit? No. no you need yourself to get up in the morning, get ready and come to church. Everybody can come to church on time. There's nothing stopping you. Nothing stop unless there is a massive downpour and the streets are all waterlogged and that's it. It is a thing beyond your control. And almost everything is in your control. If you want to, you can all come to church on time. Okay. You don't have to fast for it, you don't have to pray for it, you don't have to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you, you can do it. So a lot of things in life are basically excuses Christians make, while the unbeliever does not make any of these excuses. One of the things I don't like, I don't like it because it disturbs the, the quietness. But you have noticed over here, today it was raining, pouring. Did you see exactly at the same time the, the Muslim guy at the mosque had his call for prayer? Have you ever seen him going late on an early morning? His, his, whatever number of times he calls for prayer. Does he ever go late? No. No. Does he have the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Does his prayer make any difference in eternity? Is he able to do it? If he can do it, we can do it too. So a lot of things are spiritual excuses. Simply because we didn't discipline our flesh. But God, he said you can. Even the people in the other world, in the world, discipline their flesh and they succeed. God said discipline your flesh. Then come back. I am praying that we as Christians will be consistent in our way. We can. We can be consistent. 
Okay? It's it's a simple thing. You can't be consistent. A lot of things, it's like the old story about the two dogs. The man used to bring to the village every, and the black dog and the white dog, they fight. And one week the white dog wins, the other day the black wouldn't. But every week the man wins. Because people bet on it and he always makes his money. Then one day somebody asked him, how come it's a different dog each week? He says, depends upon which dog I feed. Depend upon which feed. Which dog I feed? If I feed the white dog this week and starve the other one, that fellow loses. This fellow wins. Hmm. It's the same thing. We want to consist in a weak area. Stop feeding those areas. If you stop feeding, Mm. okay, that's Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. There it all begins. Not Galatians, Colossians 4, 1. No, 3, 3, 1, 1, 3, 1, 1, 1, not 4, 1, 3, 1. Okay, 3, 1. Then if you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And verse 2, sorry. Now, verse 2, set your mind on things about, not on things. It all begins in the mind. You will never do anything which you have not thought before. Never. Before every action, there is a thought. There is a thought. Before every action, there is a thought. And God says a simple way to determine your actions is think about things above. No, on the Nepali church, I, I gave them this example, okay? You are, you are, let us say you are mad at your wife. Simple example, common example, you are mad at your wife. And when you are about to say something nasty, think, how will it sound in heaven on that day? <laughs> when the Bible says every careless word, you will have to give account. Simple. Okay. You are seated with Christ, you are seated with Him in heaven, and your mind is in heaven, but you are having a conflict in on earth. Be careful what you say. Careful what you say. You know what? If a mind is on things above, thought life will determine our action. You cannot change your actions without changing your thoughts. If you want to change your actions, you have to change Change your your thoughts. That's what Jesus said. A good tree brings good fruit. Mm -hmm. A bad tree brings bad fruit. See, the problem is not with the fruit. The problem is with the tree. Mm -hmm. If you want to make the fruit good, make the tree good. So he says, if you want to have good actions, start thinking on things above. Start thinking on things above, not on things on earth. Because when people goof up and they do this thing, and what is the usual response of Christians? Everybody is doing it. Mm -hmm. Meaning you are making excuse on things that are below. The question is not that. The question is to ask is, does everybody do that in heaven? Heaven. The answer is people, nobody does that in heaven. And the prayer of your, your prayer is thy kingdom come, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. That's how you handle it. You handle it, you will see on a day-to-day basis, after some time you will see your weak areas don't bother you anymore. It doesn't bother you yes. anymore. It, it, you overcome it. It's simply by the discipline of the Spirit. You, you got the Holy Spirit and you used your willpower to put the flesh to, to death. And after some time it doesn't bother you. These things don't bother you. I mean, we are, we know what we were. Pastor Vijay was a movie addict. I was a book addict. Not Bible books. Fiction. You know? If you were to ask me, I was an addict. <laughs> let me say in the last, let us say 10 years, could I finish one fiction? No. I pick it, I can't go beyond 5 or 6 pages. 
of my favorite authors. I can't read them anymore. I have been de-addicted. De-addicted. Hallelujah. That's a good word. <laughs> you wouldn't ever. You ask my mother who's alive. You can ask her. How I th- as a child, how I was. My father used to come in the night, take the torch off because I fell asleep reading because the lights had to be off and he fell asleep reading practically every night with his torch. And when he went to sleep, he didn't find his torch. He knew where the torch was. He knew the torch would be with me reading. In class two, class three, class four, class five, reading Milson Boone. <laughs> and my reading was what? I didn't start with any, in Blyton or anybody. I didn't begin with kids' books. I b- began with Milson Boone and Harold Robbins and James Alley Chase and all the classics and Dickens and I read it all. There's no pattern in my reading. But now, and I was an addict. It's an ad, literally an addict. But if you ask me today, no. You know why? You chose that route. You have to choose. You call me for something. This life is different. I can go that way or go this way. And I'm not going to go this way. I'm going to go this way. You know, go this way. The only addiction which I haven't overtaken, you can ask my wife every night. Every night. Tonight probably I won't, but otherwise six nights a week, I will watch at least ten videos of trains passing by on YouTube. I love trains, but I can't travel anymore. So what do I do? I watch trains. And Siri also watches with me. Maddie watches with me. All my children who have been in my home have watched trains with me. I still watch trains. And I can fall asleep at that sound. So it doesn't matter what new trains come in India. I know every express train which is running. Why? Because I watch that. It's just not bothering my spirituality. That's my relaxation. My wife will laugh at me. You're watching trades. Watch trades. I still watch trades. Okay. So that's okay. Pick something which doesn't mess up your mind. Okay. Mess up your mind. Because we all need to relax. We all need to calm our mind down. And trains does it for me. I don't know what does it for. Pastor Vichai. Okay. He's tennis, football. This I don't get into that. You know why? Because it sends your BP up. <laughs> Honestly, it, on, it affects yes, your health okay, because okay. your excitement level. So I do watch yesterday, I watch uh, sports. Watch, I watch, you know. So um, Ma was on the text with uh, different people, Betsy and Jim, all Chennai people. Everybody was in chess. So Ma doesn't know no, cricket. She said, uh, Ani, are you watching IPL? I said, no. But you're watching cricket. I said, yeah. I said, this happened in 1996. <laughs> no tension there because you know the end of the game. No tension. <laughs> No BP going up, no tension, no sweating, no palpitation, Boy, nothing. God. You're simply watching Sachin give Magrath nicely. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very careful about even sports watching it because I know, you know what, you got only a limited life and you know the excitement gets your entire body going another tangent altogether. Your, <laughs> your emotions go up, your blood pressure goes up, you get mad at your wife if your favorite team is losing. I don't want any of this thing. I know the end of the game. You hate your opponent. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) The only thing I hate about YouTube are fake videos. They'll put Sachin's picture and show up some other Pakistani game. And I said, don't do this fake business. Okay? Don't put fake business over there. That I dislike. You're wasting my time. So I'm telling you about simple things, you know. Guard your health. Because this entertainment 
actually affects your health. Mm. Your body was supposed to run in a particular Absolutely. way. Okay? And mm. this excitement actually is not good for you. It's not good for you. All this excitement constantly, it's six weeks of IPL at the edge of your seat, sitting up till two in the morning. Once upon a time I used to do, not IPL, once upon a time I used to do, long time ago. Then I realized it's not worth it. None of these things is worth it. No, it seems it's worth it because you know what? As like we talk about time, as time is passing by, you realize so a slice, the bread is getting, the loaf is getting smaller and smaller. Exponentially smaller. Smaller. <laughs> and not only that, you realize your body is getting yeah, weaker smaller. and weaker. Yeah. And your yeah. mind has to be kept. The main thing is not so much of your body. It's your mind has to be kept sharp because what you see with people, when I see with people who have grown old, it's not so much their body. The minds have gone. That's why we say the mind goes first. Mm-hmm. The minds have gone. Because they did not train their mind in the righteousness of God. That mind goes. They become. You see, I will tell you honestly, it is easier to handle the tantrum of a baby than the tantrum of an old man or an old woman who never trained his mind in the ways of God. It's very difficult. Very difficult. They are a scourge to the society. Older people who never learned loneliness, gentleness, patience, kindness, to treat people freely. You know what? You cannot correct them. You cannot restrain them. You cannot do any of these things. With a child it is easy. Spank two times, take it inside, be quiet. What do you do with an old person? And you know why? Because the mind went first. You know why the mind went? Because it was entertained. It was never trained in the ways of God. That's why the Bible says the carnal mind is in enmity with God. Mm. And if your mind is growing, as you're growing older and older, it is getting more and more carnal. You know what? It becomes very dangerous. It becomes very dangerous. So I am very careful about this. You know what? If the Lord tarries to come, as I grow old and older and older and older, I don't want to be a source of misery to somebody else. My prayer is, Lord, I want to die preaching if you tarry to come. I don't want to be dependent upon my children, grandchildren or anybody. But in case I do, I want to be a quiet peaceable, gentle, kind man when I am old, not the kind of nasty person nobody wants to be around. Even if a child throws tantrum, even in our in our church we knows like we know the tantrum throwing one is Atira. But everybody loves Atira. Everybody loves her. They found her very funny. <laughs> She's a joker. She's cute in her She's cute in her, in her own ways. But it's not the same with older people. The older people. I don't want to be that. And you know where? It is your mind. What you feed your mind matters. That's why I said, don't watch live sports. Wait till the game is over. Look at the result and then go and watch it if you like it because it ex- all, I know chemically, right, Pastor, uh, the Dr. Richard, all kinds of things are being secreted, all pumping up, all kinds of things, all wrong reasons. And I will tell you, is it true? Usually we end up with wives who don't understand the sports we love. Right? Absolutely. And you know what? If we lose, be grumpy with them. (laughs) 
They get up in the morning, they make the best breakfast for you. You are so grumpy, you eat, you don't appreciate anything in the house because your favorite team lost. <laughs> so what I'm saying is simple thing. Sports is there. See, this is what always sports was. This this current modern sports is the industry. That was never there in the old days. These were not things which was there in the ancient world. It was just a source of relaxation. We all played it. We played like crazy, came home and forgot about the game. We didn't bring the game home. Now people don't play. They have brought the game home. The game is in the home and everybody is messed up. The family is divided on game lines. Yes? Okay, let's go to the next question. <laughs> also, I think on a similar line, maybe it's also got to do with a struggle. Mm. It's just question number 15, okay. just the previous one. Although Pharaoh said he did not know God, it was apparent that he was going to learn of God in one way or another. The plagues that came on him and the Egyptians revealed the power of the true God. Pharaoh had to learn all of this the hard way. Don't you think we as Christians also struggle like Pharaoh? No, we don't struggle like the Pharaoh. Pharaoh was an unbeliever who worshipped all his gods and Pharaoh was considered God. So he would not accept the challenge from another God. That was the problem. Caesar was called God. Pharaoh was called God. The king of Nepal was worshipped as Vishnu until he was assassinated. Vishnu was assassinated. That was the end of monarchy in Nepal. He was worshipped as God. You go to any home in Nepal, you would see the king's picture along with the gods. In a Hindu home, you go over there. So you know what kings were worshipped as deities, as gods. That is how they created the aura and held control and power over the minds of the people. You see, you have to exert power. You have to get the minds of the people. And the simple way is to portray you separate from the people. They never mingled with the people. They were kept apart. Their personal details were not known. They were always portrayed as God. And then God comes into the picture through an old man with a stick and says, let my people go. God was doing it deliberately sending a shepherd over there because a shepherd is an abomination, abomination to the Egyptians. God has his own reasons. God is saying, you are God, I am God. And if I am God, you know what my servant is? It's not like your servant. With a simple shepherd man with a staff will, and I will take my people out with that staff. I will show you who is God. So Pharaoh's struggle is different. Pharaoh's struggle is different. Our struggle is the, basically the struggle of the flesh. The old man, the mm. carnal man, who wants to go, doesn't, it's not that he wants to go to heaven. It's more he doesn't want to go to hell. Mm. It's not, honestly, if you look at an average Christian, do you want to go to hell? No, I don't want to go to hell. Do you want to go to heaven? Yeah, when I die, I want to go to hell. You don't want to go to heaven. No, when I die, I want to go to heaven. But the Bible says when you're living, think about heaven. Mm. So the average Christian, he doesn't want to go to hell. For him, heaven is earth. Heaven is earth. It's not centered around the person of Jesus. I'm grateful to Jesus for dying for me. But please don't tell me to live for him. Okay, that's a problem. So that's where it happened. So what happens is, you are saved, you have to be made fit for heaven. Hmm. It's no choice. You have to be made fit for heaven. And therefore, you end up fighting God. Okay, that's what Pastor Vijay was saying, which is true. You end up fighting God. So you find you devil is your enemy, flesh is your enemy, the world is your enemy, and God, God is also against you. He's for you, but you see as if he's against you. Hmm? Like Jacob saying, everything is against you. 
No, everything is trying to... God is against me. Now, in a homie, God is not against you. He was trying to discipline you, teach you. Okay, so our struggle as Christians is not like the struggle of Pharaoh. That is rebellion. If we struggle as a Pharaoh, let me tell you, God will destroy you. He won't discipline you. Basically, his heart was completely hardened. Yeah, hardened. He, was not even, yeah. he won't discipline you. Mm. He will destroy you. Wow. And that statement, yeah, for this yeah, purpose yeah, I rose yeah, you up. For this purpose, <laughs> Sir, make for sure this is to make sure. He, said, he, he raised a pharaoh <laughs> to teach them, this is what happens to rebels. I will destroy you. <laughs> and I won't need anybody to destroy you. <laughs> I will not, I will destroy you without you seeing the hand of one Israelite with a sword. I don't need anybody. I will just swallow you up in the river, in the sea. I don't need anybody to destroy you. He was demonstrating the power of the living God through a simple vessel. So our struggle is not the Pharaoh's struggle. Let me tell, put a writer over there. Mm-hmm. If our struggle is the Pharaoh's struggle, we will be destroyed. We will be destroyed. And this is where we have to be very, very careful because you know what? There is God and God also is a king. Not a king. He's the king. Mm. Okay, He's the king. So in Israel, what happened is, uh, in other nations, the, the, the Pharaoh was God or the king was God. In Israel, God was king. He also had kings. And after a point, Saul thought he was the king. And God destroyed him. Set over. David knew he was king. Not king. But in his mind, the crown was always at God's feet. Yeah. Absolutely. He always knew who was ruling in behalf of God. That is the thing. We are also royal priesthood. We are kings. But we need to remember he is king. We are only ruling on behalf of him. This is not my life. This is not my body. This is not my resources. Nothing is mine. Everything has been given to me. One day I will have to give accounts. So I am only ruling, exercising authority and power in his name. Mm. I don't have anything of my own. Naturally, I am not a king. <clears throat> I was given. Okay, I was given. That's the difference we saw in the morning. In Revelation 6, a crown was given, given. to him. Power was given mm. to these ones. But Christ is crowned with many crowns. Mm-hmm. It was not given. It was always his. Mm. He was equal to God. Equality was God something he didn't have to strain or fight for. He was always God. So Christ was not given a crown. He was always crowned with many crowns. That difference we need to know. Mm. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, there's one more important question I think you should look at very carefully. It's question number 14. Wow, this is a very nice question. A child may stay away from his father when he knows that he has aroused his father's displeasure. But why should we keep a distance? We keep at a distance when Christ Jesus is smiling upon us. Do you think it is the fear of the Lord? We have to put both the statements together. Mm. The child does not stay away from the father when he has not aroused his father's displeasure. displeasure. Yes. Okay. He doesn't. And when he has aroused his father's displeasure, he has a way back to the father. The way back to the father is the doorway of mercy. Mm. Go ask dad, tell dad, I'm sorry. Even at home, that's the way back, way back. You know? <laughs> the greatest crime I did in my life when I was young is when I ran away from my home. Because I was unrighteously punished. Because every day I was punished was righteously. One day I was innocent, I got punished and my self-righteousness came up <laughs> and I ran from home. And there was a military field, I've said this before, there was a small little cave. I got into the cave and fell asleep. 
My mother went mad. She searched the whole place, couldn't find me. My father never moved from his seat. You know, men are different. They don't react like mothers. You know? And this, this town, and to go anywhere from the town, you have to cross the river. And nobody can swim across the river. There's only one bridge over there. My father just took the phone, called the sentry, the police at that bridge, and said, if an Indian boy comes, just stop him. That's all he said. He continued his work the whole day. He even bothered about that. That's men. He didn't even bother about it because he said, there's no way this boy can go. There's only one way out. And that way there is a cop. Just tell him, stop him and send him back home. Evening when I woke up, I fell asleep, woke up. I saw my mother from far and I came out. My mother was very happy, hugged everything and took me home and locked me in a bathroom. And she said, when your father temper comes down, you go straight, fall at his feet and say, I am sorry. Otherwise, you'll get the spanking of your life. Okay, so she showed me a way out of the mess I had got myself in. And exactly as I said, she released me by evening. My father was sitting there. I went, fell at his feet and said, I'm so sorry, I will never run away from my home again. And he was okay. It's okay. So in home it works. I didn't know. That's one of the first times in my life for a terrible crime I did not get beaten. Did not get beaten. So, a child knows his way back to his father's pleasure is a way of mercy. That is what God is talking about. Hebrews four sixteen. Mm. The way back, way back. Okay, this is we all sin. We all sin, right? And when we sin, what does God say? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. Mm. Mercy is the first thing we have to obtain. Absolutely. Come boldly. Don't worry. He's not getting mad at you. He's mad at your behavior. He's not mad at you. He's mad at your behavior. God also gets mad at our behavior. Don't ever think God doesn't get mad at our behavior. He gets mad at our behavior. But he says, you know what? You goofed up. Now come to me. And I will forgive you. Because first thing we need is God doesn't wipe it away. God doesn't know. Okay, I didn't see. He doesn't turn his face. I didn't see. He doesn't overlook. It's there against your name. Now you come and ask for mercy. And I will take it away. And two, Find grace so that you don't do it again. Yes. Don't do it again. And that's exactly what my father said. Never, ever do it again. That's the only time I ever did it in my life. After that, I never did it in my life. <laughs> don't do it again. Okay, don't, don't do it again. And that's what God is talking about. Mercy. So the way back is mercy. Way back. Now come back to that question. And turn with me the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 14. Yeah, we'll come back to the question, question so that we read it again. Okay. Yeah. Okay, got it? Yeah. So don't ever think you goof up, you sin, and Jesus is standing there in heaven and smiling Smile. at you. He is not smiling at you. Consider the goodness and the, and the severity of God. You sin, God's smile goes off his face very fast. Goes very fast, okay? Look at the illustration, okay? Genesis 42. These are the brothers mm-hmm. who have come there, okay? Ten brothers are there. Verse 14. Onwards. Joseph said to them, It is as I spoke to you. Say, you are spies. In this manner you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not leave the place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you, let him bring your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are not spies. So he put them all together in prison for three days. You see that? 
humanity is in prison for three days. Hmm. First day, second day is almost. The third day is coming. But three days, humanity is in prison under the strict control of God until we have repented of all yes, our sins. Yes. Time to think. Even when he comes and rules on earth, he will rule with a scepter of iron. Three days imprisonment until we have come clean. And then, verse 18. Then Joseph said to them in the third day, do this and live for I fear God. If you are honest men, because they all claim to be honest men. We are honest men. Let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go carry grain for the famine of your houses. And bring your youngest brother to me, so your word shall be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. 21. Then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Suddenly, when did this happen? 21 years ago. They had sold Joseph. Are they honest men? No. They're still claiming, pretending to be honest men. They're not honest men. Now they're bringing it. Okay, and verse 22. Reuben answered them and said, Did I not speak to you, saying, Do not sin against the boy? And he would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know. Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. And he turned himself away from them and wept. Did you see that? This Joseph, in his heart, he loves them. But he's not smiling at them. He's not smiling at them. He's not smiling at them. He's not smiling at us. He loves us. He weeps over our sins. But he will not smile at us until we come clean before him. Okay? And come to when they go home. Okay, it's interesting. They go home. Okay? Verse 29 onwards. Then they went to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, told him all that had happened to them. The man who was lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spice of the country. Did he? No, it's just pretending. He knows they are not spies. His heart is full of love and compassion, but he spoke roughly to them. God will speak roughly to us. If we try to play the fool with him, Mm. he will also speak to us roughly until we come to our senses. Roughly. He will speak to us. He spoke roughly to us. Okay. And through it all, he's being kind to them. He gave them grain, he gave them money back, he doesn't, but he's very kind to them, but he doesn't speak, he doesn't smile at them, and he speaks roughly to them. Through it all, God is taking care of us. That does not mean he approves of us. He doesn't speak to us. Okay? Just because the father, the child did something, and the child did not say sorry, the father is upset, he doesn't talk, does that mean he um, starves him? Come back, the father doesn't speak to him. Some cases they will say, go to bed without your supper, but usually, Usually, sometimes fathers will say, let him eat after we have eaten. Simply saying he's not worthy of the fellowship at the table today. Because he's cut fellowship. Because he refuses to apologize to his brother or his sister. Own up. These are ways you discipline in a home without using a stick. Let us say, Abigail and Emmy. Abigail bullies Emmy. And she refuses to say, sorry. No, I will not. So what do you say? Let's eat. And you have the fantastic time with Emmy over there and she's sitting there and watching. But you don't talk to her. You all sit together and eat, have a good time and then you get up and you tell um, Justin, now save Abigail, let her eat alone. Let her understand the principle. Fellowship is important. You cannot sin against another and walk away as if nothing happened. Mm. That is the same principle in the church. When you do it, disfellowship them. 
disfellowship. That's the principle in which God works. You sinned against your brother. You sold your brother. And you're coming and pretending my famine has hit you. And you're coming to me for mercy. Of course I'll show you mercy. I'll give you food for you to eat. But I will not talk to you. I will not smile at you. I will talk roughly to you because the entire purpose is to bring into your conscience what you did. Yeah. You shall not be the brothers of Cain. Mm. Because that man said, I am not my brother's keeper. Every man is his brother's keeper. And finally, when they confessed, finally, when Judah steps forward, the Bible says, that is when Joseph reveals himself to them. And he hugs them and kisses them. But he was always that. It is they who had to change. God is always that. It is we who have to change. So please don't get a wrong picture that God is Santa Claus. He is not, not. Santa Claus. Look at Romans 11 and verse 22 again. <laughs> Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell severity, severity towards you goodness if, if you continue in his goodness. How do you continue in his goodness? By loving one another, forgiving one another. That's a simple. What is, I mean, if uh, um, Pastor Vijay in the home, what is the simple rule for Abigail and Amy when you are playing? Don't fight. Hey, exactly. Don't fight. <laughs> and if you fight, make up. Who hurt the other? Ask for forgiveness. Don't hurt each other. And if you hurt each other, forgive each other. For, ask forgiveness and walk your sisters. You're not rivals. You're sisters. The simple rule. That's a simple rule. Walk in kindness with one. You want to walk in God's goodness? Walk in kindness with one another. Forgiving one another. Okay? Forgive. That is that is the thing which God says to add in Second Peter, brotherly kindness. kindness and that to love from and to that love, the agape love, it holds it all together. Brotherly mm. kindness. Okay, and these are important for God. It's important in a family because it's important for God. So please don't ever think Jesus is smiling from heaven. He loves you, but he's not smiling at you. Mm. He says, "Come back and make peace with my Father. Come to the throne room of grace, make peace, and make peace with your brother or your sister." Whom you sin, tell them, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have treated you that way. I sinned against you. Okay, I sinned against you. You know, and that's how the prodigal son comes back. The father was the father smiling at him? No. Father did not send him a money order. He didn't send him anything. He stayed away from the whole mess. And then when he come back, how does he come back? He's not coming back in arrogance. He's coming back in humility. I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. Treat me just one like the father is never changed. He's full of compassion. Never full of compassion. And that's how God's judgment works. Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, I think a very appropriate question to ask would be the previous question. This is question number 13. Again, on the same lines. Okay. Psalm 51 verse 3 will say, My sin is ever before me. The pain of our Lord's absence becomes intolerable when we fear that we are hopelessly shut out from the Lord. A person can't bear one night hoping for the morning. But what if the day should never break? Let's go to Psalm 51. <laughs> that is a David's psalm. Mm -hmm. Just read from verse 1. Yeah, just go to Psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Why? 
For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in inward parts. In the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin. Blot out my iniquities. Create a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Okay. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach. When you do these 12 things, and God does these 12 things. You see, all David had to was go before God and acknowledge his guilt. You cannot change your past. You cannot bring Uriah back. You cannot bring Uriah. Uriah is dead and gone. The whole nation is okay. They have no clue what's happening. Everybody is fine. But God is not fine and God's servant is not fine. He goes before God and puts it right. Okay. And that's all you have to do if you go to 1 John and chapter 2 and verse 1. Okay? 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So he says, all these things are written that we don't sin. Because when we sin, we lose fellowship with God. And that's what the question is talking about. One more night and you're always afraid. Always afraid. Will I die in the night? And not see another morning. Die in my sin. This is a fear of a lot of people. Die in your sin. Hmm. This, this, is, this, is, this is a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing for people. Okay? I'll tell you. Uh, in Zacchaeus' case, Okay, you know about Zacchaeus? Everybody knows about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a public figure. He's a public figure. Because that's how he is introduced. He was a public figure, a tax collector. And he had unfairly taken from all the people. Yes. Now he's confronted by the power of the Holy Spirit when Jesus comes to his house. He not only does repent, his repentance is shown in his restitution. This is the biggest problem for public figures. That's why the Bible says about the kings in hell. Let me tell you honestly, most public figures will be in hell. It's because many of them cross the line where it's impossible to make restitution. Not impossible, they will not make restitution. They will not make restitution. Let me give you an example. If Joe Biden has to go to heaven, he has to resign. He has to resign. Otherwise, he will go to hell. Because he knows what he has done. They all have blood on their hands. And they don't have the guts. David had the guts to go before God and says, I'm guilty of bloodshed. I killed. The whole world knows through all eternity. Yes, Pastor, that's true. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he says, would you please cleanse me? God says, I will cleanse you. Sin is taken away from you. 
A lot of people who are in this. That's why we have to be very, very careful about these things, how we counsel people. There are many cases in repentance where restitution is needed. You have to hear from God. You have to go to God and ask, Lord, how do I make restitution? How do I make restitution? Otherwise, our repentance is not genuine. And God will tell you how to make restitution. Okay, how to make restitution. In David's case, he did not have to make restitution because he's taken Uriah's wife and made her his wife. He's taken care of the widow. So he, in the same ways, he's already made restitution. When it came to man, he's made restitution. But he acknowledges guilt before God. He acknowledged. Okay? Zacchaeus acknowledges guilt and he said, you know what? What I will do is that everybody, all of you, I can't remember, but you remember who all come to me. I'll give you four times back. Not only that, I don't want to get into this rut again. So what do a lot of people do? You know what? I retire from public life. I don't want to go that route again. I'm just leaving public life. That's basically what you say. I'm retiring. I know I'm not good for this job. I'm leaving. I don't want to be on that temptation road where I hurt somebody else again. So we need to realize it's impossible. That's why God talks about it. Is it's, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to go through into heaven because a rich man will always try to cover himself because his entire identity comes from his wealth. Mm. And the problem is most rich men did not make their wealth the kosher way. And let's go back to now to uh, James chapter 5. Yes. Okay, James. I'm not saying uh, Job is a very rich man, but he made his riches the right way. Mm-hmm. Come now, you rich, who's calling the rich, weep and howl for your miseries. Let us use the word instead of rich. Let us use the word powerful, because riches is power, right? Come now, you rich and powerful, the rich, the famous, the powerful. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted. Your garments are both eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion, their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. The cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Shabbat. Whose ears? Lord of Shabbat. Who is he? The captain of hosts. Not the God of peace. Not the God of comfort. Jehovah Shabbat. You have lived on earth in the pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, and he does not resist you. They have no power to resist you. Verse 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient. Don't worry. That's why it is called the day of judgment. The day of judgment will be terrible for those who haven't repented, genuinely repented and made restitution where they could make restitution. Some cases you cannot make restitution. Leave it. This is that individual cases. Listen to God. Listen to God. Okay, listen to God. God will speak. We have a living God and God will tell you how to make restitution. Different ways. I still remember the case of the, the American soldier who became a pastor, I told you, you know, he stole lots of money from the, the system. And uh, he sold it, I mean, he made money while he was in the army. 
and then when he became a believer he was retired everything became a believer he was convicted by god and god said no return the money back he said how do i return there's no how do i return so god said this is the way to return by stamps how much did you steal let's say 50000 by stamps for 50000 and burn it don't use it <laughs> so you have returned the money back to the government you know i have counseled people who were in the government i told them you know what you need to do how much did you steal how much did you steal i sat with the secretary of the government face to face in the hotel room and I have online of course i have counseled how much did you do you have a rough idea he said yes he said send it to the chief minister's relief fund give it back no walk free make restitution do what you have to do make restitution because otherwise every penny will speak against you on the day of judgment they will speak against mm. you you think money doesn't have voice mm. but will say i will tell you what has voice and what does not have voice make restitution so these are things you know that's why <laughs> bible says when god adds well prosperity yeah it's no trouble sorrow to it yes no trouble that's not so even if you falsely accused here and all and there put in jail because you did not give them a bribe they set you up in heaven you will be a free man it does not matter heaven you will be a free man no accusation there god will say you will be vindicated he says be patient that's what psalm 37 you will be vindicated the justice the justice of your cause will yes, shine like the noonday sun whole of eternity heaven will know people will know you were innocent you were falsely set up because you did not bribe the system okay so we have to be very careful about these things that is why we don't want wealth we don't want power we don't want fame unless god gives it and when god gives it just hold it lightly mm. one of the english sayings hold it very lightly hold it hold on hold on to that that is what happened to saul he held on to it tightly while everything was going for him though god removed him god was merciful to him but he refused to get off the throne care i hold it tightly even jesus did not yeah. grasp it yeah. he, he didn't grasp it equality with god he did not grasp it lightly okay so these are important things a lot of people they think because of their faith false faith they're going to heaven they're not going to heaven not going to heaven that is why in the morning we said the doorway to heaven is repentance. repentance repentance yes repentance repentance towards god, god and faith, faith towards, towards lord the lord jesus, jesus christ. christ why do we need to repent for god because all men have sinned and come short of the glory of god so we have to repent that's what david is doing in psalm 51 go back to 51 verse 1 and 2 absolutely on the day because he doesn't have to repent before anybody Because everybody is fine. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to wash me. Come down to verse three. Verse three. verse three. For acknowledge my transgression, my sin is always before me. Against you, you, you only me. have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So it does not matter. You may be cleared by the Supreme Court. All the media may be in your favor. Everybody declares you. The, God says, I don't. I don't. I don't. So there is simple things go to bed every night in peace <laughs> every night in peace lord i have made peace with man 
Therefore, I also have peace with God. Conscience is clear. Mm-hmm. My conscience is clear. clear. If I go to sleep, my sin is before me. What is that sin? Go to God. Confess first. Go to God. Confess. Then hear from Him how to make restitution. How to make restitution. Go with Him. Because don't go by your flesh. People who make restitution by their flesh has run into bigger trouble, which creates bigger problems. Go with God. He will tell you how to make restitution. Amen. He will tell you how to make restitution. Because you have to be very wise. With God, you can be absolutely Mm. honest, open, everything with God. With man, be very careful. Mm. Be very, very wise how you deal with man. Because that's why Jesus would not commit himself into any man. Because he knew all men. (laughs) With his father, he cried out like a baby. Openly. Because he knew he could trust so when you're making restitution with people, be very, very careful to listen to God. Sometimes you have to wait when to say it. Mm. Because they may not be ready to receive it. And it will become a bigger mess. A bigger mess. Okay, so you have to be very, very wise and discerning. Okay, but when the time when the God says it, you do it and do it the way God says it. God says it. Okay, because I'm telling you, I've heard enough of people trying to make a restitution in the flesh and ends up as a mess because mm. they did not listen. They went by the letter and did not go by the spirit of it. Spirit of it. And they goofed up very badly. But we have a living God, a counsel of the Holy Spirit who will guide us through this process. Amen? Mm. Let's pray. Father, this evening... We once again come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for all these questions, Lord. Those are questions relevant to every one of us. We all go through this. And I thank you for everyone. And I pray, Lord, those who are struggling, you would give them the strength and the discernment and the guidance what to do. For it is not your will that no man, any man should perish and go to hell. Hell was not prepared for man. But it was for the devil. It's the devil that causes, keeps people from repenting and making restitution. Let no one have any false hope or confidence. Our confidence should be in Christ and Christ alone. So I pray even tonight people will pray, they will repent and they will hear from God. If they have to make restitution, they will hear and they will obey. Amen. The God of peace will guard their hearts and their mind. They can go to sleep in peace, knowing that if they die in their sleep, they're safe in the arms of Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Give me the rest of the night, and I pray, Lord, you will close up heavens for this city. The rains wouldn't keep on coming, Lord. Protect the poor. And if you tarry to come tonight, help us, Lord, if you give us another day to be in your house. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.